Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Today, I'm going to take a wild guess and assume that you've already tried to manage weight with PCOS and it felt hard, really hard. Like sometimes it feels like just by looking at food, you gain weight while everybody else is losing weight, no problem, going on some random diets or just trying a little bit closer to watch what they're eating. I mean, what the heck? is going on. This is a common reality for a lot of women with PCOS, but it's not your fault. What if I told you that most diets are not suitable for PCOS and in fact, they're just setting you up for failure? Today, we're gonna break it all down and I'm going to show you the three common mistakes that are keeping women with PCOS in this toxic cycle of dieting and frustration. We are gonna talk all about it today. Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode. My name is Daphna Chazen. I'm a registered dietitian and I specialize in PCOS. And specifically, I help women ditch dieting, stop yo-yo cycling through weight gain, weight loss. What we do inside my programs is learn exactly how to manage your weight with PCOS without restriction so that you can finally feel free around food and happy and healthy in your own body. I want you to imagine what life would look like when you find an eating plan that feels doable and sustainable and you were not only able to manage your weight but reverse other PCOS symptoms, balance your hormones, and have freedom around food because that plan doesn't require you to count calories, eliminate gluten and dairy, calculate your macros, feel deprived and restricted. No, 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 none of these things. The plan is sustainable. It works for your lifestyle and your busy schedule. It's normal way of eating. It's a normal way of eating that feels really sustainable. And because of that, you got excited, you felt more motivated than ever before, and you were able to stay consistent with it because it was fitting into your lifestyle, your schedule, and your food preferences so it's doable for the rest of your life. I mean, does this sound too good to be true? I can promise you it's not. The first thing that you need to do in order to get to that point where you're following a plan like that is reject diets. And specifically, I want you to avoid very specific mistakes that women tend to commonly make. And today we're going to break down what those mistakes are and what you need to do instead. Let's get right into it with mistake number one, which is focusing on numbers. When I say focusing on numbers, I'm talking about calories, grams, macros, ounces, all of the things that keep you really obsessed with the numerical aspect of eating. And that's something that we don't want because like my client Samantha says, I don't want to be a food accountant. I don't want to be calculating things. I don't want to tally up points. I don't want to do any of that stuff. And as someone who's been on Weight Watchers many, many times counting points, I can totally relate to that. And I can totally understand the desire to be free of doing any sort of math when you're eating. And so the first mistake that you want to avoid is getting bogged down with the numbers. And I'm going to tell you a secret. Most diets do get you there. Most diets do suck you into that equation of calories and macros and 
grams and calculating things. And they all essentially do the same thing. They want you to eat less. So whether they do it by eliminating certain food groups, whether they do it by help having you fit your food into little containers, if you remember that um, whole plan, if it's by eliminating sugar completely or going keto or putting your in window of timing of eating, meaning restricting the amount of time during the day that you can eat, all diets do the same thing. And that could be Jenny Craig, the cabbage soup diet, keto, whole 30, any of those plans essentially cause a caloric deficit. And the reason that this is problematic for PCOS is that for the most part, excessive calorie intake and calorie consumption is not the reason why women with PCOS have a hard time managing their weight. The real reason under the surface that weight management is so difficult with PCOS is usually insulin resistance. So this is the root cause, the real source of PCOS weight gain, and it really has not much to do with calories. So we don't necessarily need to focus on the numbers. What we do need to focus on is reducing insulin resistance. Now, here's the thing. When you have any sort of degree of insulin resistance, your body is going to take on weight. It's going to accumulate fat and it's going to store every calorie that you eat, whether that's 2000 or a thousand or 800 or 1200, which are really low, by the way, you should never eat that amount of food. We are going to see that your body stores those amounts of calories as fat immediately. That's because insulin puts your body into starvation mode. It prevents sugar from getting into the cells and your cells think that they are lacking energy, which they are. And that signals to your brain that there's a problem. There's not enough nutrition and energy in the system. And you are probably starving. That's how your body is programmed to think. And so when you have insulin resistance, everything that you eat is going to be stored for later because your body doesn't know when enough energy is going to come in. So it's going to conserve that energy and put it in storage. So you can definitely be in a caloric deficit if you go on a diet, but still have too much insulin in your system. And that's not going to do your metabolism and weight any favors. So what we want to do, like I said before, is lower insulin resistance so that your body can be more metabolically efficient and start burning off fat and calories for energy as opposed to storing them. The most effective and best thing that you can do in order to reduce insulin resistance is not worry so much about the numbers, but focus more on quality. So not quantity, but quality. We want to put balanced meals together that have ingredients that help your body produce less insulin or use up the insulin more efficiently. And that's generally speaking is going to come to combination of foods like protein and fiber, increasing the volume of meals with non-starchy vegetables, as well as timing your meals properly to ensure that you're getting the right balance of nutrients, as well as the timing that allows your body to keep blood sugar stable. This is going to reduce your body's demand for insulin after meals, and it's going to help you shed weight naturally without constantly reducing the amount of food and calories that you eat and struggling with hunger and low energy levels. So once we tweak your meals, we focus on the quality, your insulin levels will naturally drop and weight loss will become effortless. Plus one of the biggest benefits and bonuses in this whole thing is that it is sustainable. Think about a time where you went on a diet and you ate very few calories. Maybe you tracked on my fitness pal or you calculated macros and you were averaging somewhere around 12 to 1400 calories, which is a really low amount of calories for most people. And while you were able to stick with it 
it for a few weeks, maybe months, long-term, this is likely not something that you can keep up with. And with PCOS being a chronic condition, we wanna make sure that what we're eating and our food plan and our meals are enjoyable and sustainable and doable long-term so that you can see yourself eating in this way in 10 years from now. Most people don't wanna be counting calories for the rest of their life, nor do they wanna eat a specific small amount of food that keeps them hungry and struggling, okay? So that's just a little food for thought about counting calories and eating very low calorie diets. One of my clients, Teresa, really did the shift from quantity to quality when she came to work with me. So up until the time we started working together, she was going on Weight Watchers. And she came to me and she said, Daphna, I've been on Weight Watchers for six months and I lost half a pound. I mean, how frustrating is that? And when she was coming in to see me, she would say, I follow it to a T. I am always within my budget of, of points and I'm a really diligent Weight Watcher. But weight loss is just not happening. And that's because with Weight Watchers and again, all other diets, you're focusing on numbers. You're fitting in that point budget or calorie budget and you're not really focused on quality. You're not necessarily following a high quality PCOS friendly diet that's going to address your insulin resistance. And that's why weight loss is not there. It becomes really hard to do. And of course, super discouraging. Now, when we started working together, we ditched the diets, we ditched the calories and points, and we moved into focusing on the types of foods that she's eating, how she's putting her meals together, the timing of her meals, her hydration, her movement, her sleep, all of these things really help with insulin resistance. And sure enough, she wasn't only able to lose more than 20 pounds, she also was able to regulate her cycle, come off of birth control, reverse acne, come off of metformin. And as you can see, she is someone who really transformed her health by shifting the way she thinks about food and how she puts her meals together. Now, it wasn't her fault. This is what her doctor told her to do. Go on Weight Watchers, lose the weight, everything will work out. So that's the only advice she ever got. And so if you're in that boat, don't worry. There's still hope. You don't have to go on diets in order to manage PCOS. There is a much better way to do it. And this is what I teach you inside Reset Your PCOS. In fact, we have a pictorial journal, a food journal that many of the women inside the program use. And that is a food tracker. It's like a food journal that has nothing to do with calories or counting anything. All we do is inside the journal, you have the ability to take a picture of your food, then I can see it and you can see it and we can work together to improve the quality of your meals without ever having to count anything. Moving on to mistake number two, and this is one of my favorite because I love carbs. The mistake is avoiding carbs completely, cutting out gluten, cutting out breads, not touching pasta, avoiding all sugar. Fear of carbohydrates is real. We are taught to fear carbohydrates because they're quote unquote bad or inflammatory or just not good for PCOS. And that is absolutely not true. My clients are eating gluten every single day and they incorporate carbs into every single meal and they're thriving. Their PCOS is completely under control and they're reversing their symptoms with every single meal that they eat and they all include carbohydrates. The reason that most diets lead us to the wrong place with carbohydrates is that of course they're pumping out these messages that carbs are bad but what also happens is that when people start reducing their carbohydrate intake they end up eating more fat, more protein, and sometimes 
more vegetables. What can I say? Fear of carbs is real. It's out there. And I work with women who are actually physically nervous and anxious to incorporate carbohydrates. And they absolutely cannot believe that they get to eat bread because throughout the years, all they've heard is don't touch bread. Don't eat anything white. Fruit has too much sugar. Pasta is very carb heavy. It's not for you. It's inflammatory. All of these messages really sunk in throughout the years. And it gets to a point where women are physically nervous and afraid when they see carbohydrates, not to mention mentally, they feel super restricted and deprived because who doesn't love bread? Who doesn't love pasta? Everyone loves carbohydrates and there's absolutely no reason that you cannot enjoy them as well. The reason I have such a big problem with fear of carbs is that not only does it create a huge desire for carbohydrates because you feel deprived, it really sets you up for binging and impulsive eating because there's only so much restriction that you can put on yourself before it backfires. And so if you're someone who has a sensitive relationship with food, if you're someone who tries to avoid certain foods and you end up overeating, please know that the secret or the treatment or the way to step out of that cycle is not by continuing to restrict. It's by actually incorporating these foods in a smarter way. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So fear of carbs is something that I want you to let go of. We wanna introduce carbs into every single meal, not to mention we talked about the mental health side of it and how unsustainable it is. But I also want you to think about the fact that when you're cutting out carbs, as in the case of keto, what you're doing is you're adding more high fat, high protein foods, essentially beef and bacon and cream cheese and eggs and things like that. Not that those foods are bad, but what ends up happening many, many times is that your diet is high in fat, high in saturated fat specifically, and really low in fiber, produce, and a lot of other nutrients that come from carbohydrates that are essential for PCOS. And so we know that this combination of cutting back on calories like we talked about before, eliminating carbs, not getting enough fiber, and getting high saturated fats from animal proteins is really detrimental for insulin resistance. And so a lot of times when women go on keto or they try to cut out carbs, a lot of different aspects of their health go haywire. They start having more digestive issues. Their periods are not regular. Maybe they experience a lot more desire for carbohydrates and cravings. Their energy is not quite stable. And so if you've experienced this, it's likely because your diet wasn't balanced. It wasn't suitable for PCOS and it didn't contain enough high quality protein and fiber that are lean. And those are the key. Those are the two nutrients that you really want to focus on with the of course, addition of non-starchy vegetables. So what do you do about it? How do you manage your carb intake in a way that allows you to keep PCOS symptoms under control, but also lets you enjoy the foods that you love? Well, this all comes down to finding out what is your unique carb tolerance. This is a concept that I teach and it really helps women find the good balance between cravings, fatigue, energy dips, weight gain, and that feeling of feeling satiated, not feeling deprived, having good appetite control, and really enjoying and loving their food and their meal plan. When you understand your carb tolerance, you're hitting on that sweet spot of the exact amount of carbohydrates that is right for your body at every single meal. When you're eating based on your carb tolerance, you're not only losing the guilt about eating carbs, you're feeling fuller and more satiated. You're confident about what you're eating. You get to enjoy the foods that you love. And as a bonus, you're getting in tons of fiber and good nutrition that helps you reverse insulin resistance. So this has a really positive domino effect on other PCOS symptoms that you may be struggling with. 
And sure enough, one of the first symptoms that women find relief from inside my program, Reset Your PCOS, is cravings and energy levels. So they feel so much energy, that's because their blood sugar is more regulated, even though they're eating carbohydrates, which is something they can't believe is happening. They're fuller, they have no cravings, and they are slowly repairing their relationship with food. They feel more free, there's nothing that's off limits, they can eat anything that they want, because they're learning how to put the meals together in a way that balances everything and keeps their blood sugar stable. That's the key to all of this. So when you know your carb tolerance, your insulin level stays stable, your blood sugar stays stable, you're feeling satiated for hours, you have no cravings, and you're not feeling the need to binge or overeat on anything because, again, you're not restricted and your appetite is under control. So over time, the biggest benefit of this is that you're having a better relationship with food, there's less tension around food, there's less obsession with food, Food, and there's certainly more freedom around food, which is what we all want. Let's get into mistake number three, which is timing your meals wrong. Now, most people pay a lot of attention to what they're eating, but not so much to when they're eating. And this makes a difference. Our body has a system called the circadian rhythm system, and this is essentially your internal body clock. This clock regulates a lot of different things like your metabolism, your sleep, your mood, your energy levels, your ovulation your weight. And what we know based on research is that your body and your circadian rhythm system is most active during the day. And that's when your body is primed and ready to receive food and process it, metabolize it properly. But when you think about how we eat in the Western world, most of us eat a really big dinner and throughout the day we're grazing and snacking or eating smaller meals. Maybe we leave the house without eating a solid breakfast and we're kind of eating maybe a granola bar, a piece of fruit or a slice of pizza or something from the drive-thru throughout the day. And then at night we sit down to a big meal. And that goes in contradiction and opposition to what our body wants us to do because when it's daytime outside, our body is most active. When it's evening, things are shutting down. Our systems are slowing down, winding down. And that includes your metabolism and your blood sugar control. And so when you skip breakfast and when you leave the majority of food to be consumed at night, we're missing out on a big opportunity to get our metabolism active to break down this food and process it properly. And of course, make sure that you're not gaining weight, having cravings or experiencing blood sugar fluctuations that can impact your energy and mood. And so when you eat makes a really big difference with PCOS. This is one of the biggest mistakes that women make. I want you to think about two women. They're exactly the same height and weight, the same age, everything is the same. But one of them really rushes in the morning. She skips breakfast, she's a teacher, she doesn't get a break, so she's go, go, go all day long. And then when she gets home around 4 p.m., everything kind of gets harder. It's harder to control her appetite, her energy is really low, she's seeking out food, and so she's eating the majority of food for the day between the hours of, let's say, 5 p.m. to 10 or 11, right when she goes to bed. And so all throughout those hours, she's grazing, she's snacking, she's prepping dinner, she's eating a big dinner, maybe she's eating pasta and breadsticks and a salad on the side or something like that. But at the end of the day, what we know is that she is really consuming the vast majority of her food when it's dark outside. And then we have another person, let's call her Lucy, and Lucy works from home and she's able to take her time a little bit more, even though it doesn't have to take a long time to prepare your meals in the morning and during the day. But just think about someone 
who has the ability to eat a bigger breakfast. She's sitting down to lunch. She's spreading out the meals throughout her day pretty evenly. No one meal is heavier or bigger than the others. And certainly when it's nighttime, she's tapering off her eating and she gets to bed a little bit earlier and she doesn't eat big heavy meals for dinner. Now, Lucy is going to have a lot of benefits just from the pattern of eating and the timing of her eating. She's gonna see better ovulation rates and more consistent ovulation. And that has been seen in studies. Women specifically with PCOS who eat a larger breakfast and lunch do see more regular ovulation. They have an easier time managing weight. Her triglycerides and cholesterol are likely gonna be lower and she's gonna have a reduced risk of diabetes, less cravings and more energy. These are all things that have been seen in studies and are reported by women with PCOS, not only inside my program, but across the board. So while we used to think that the timing of meals makes no difference, now we know that it does. It does make a difference. And if you can sync your internal body clock with your eating schedule by eating the vast majority of food throughout the day and tapering off meals, certainly in the late nighttime hours, that's gonna benefit your PCOS, your hormones, and your metabolism. It's gonna make life a lot easier if you're trying to manage your weight. Now I'm gonna give you three really easy daily actions that can get you started in syncing up your eating schedule with your circadian rhythm system. Are you ready? Let's go. Number one, I want you to aim to have a high protein breakfast within 90 minutes of waking up. A high protein breakfast can contain cottage cheese or Greek yogurt. It can have eggs. You can use something like chicken sausage or a protein shake. Those are all excellent sources of protein and it's important that you have them pretty close to when you get up because again, that's when your metabolism is most active, your insulin levels are more sensitive, your body's more sensitive to insulin, so it's not gonna spike your blood sugar, and you're gonna be able to control your cravings and energy for the rest of the day if you start with a high-protein breakfast within 90 minutes of waking up. The next thing I want you to do is have consistent three to four hour spacings between meal. That means that if you had your breakfast at 8.30 in the morning, you're gonna have lunch around 12.30 and then maybe a snack at three or 4 p.m. and then dinner around 7 p.m. Generally speaking, it's a good schedule. Most women can fit that kind of eating into their daily schedule and it allows you to eat at regular intervals, not open up large gaps between meals that make you hungry and more prone to binging. And it's also going to to make sure that your blood sugar stays stable and your body can burn off those calories and help you shed pounds more easily. And then the third tip is to eat larger meals and the vast majority of food earlier in the day, meaning you're spreading out your food for the day across breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe one or two snacks. Try to avoid having really large meals at night or eating late into the evening hours when you're watching TV or staying up for whatever reason. So if you're gonna eat a big meal, it's better to try to have it for lunch as opposed to dinner if you can. And even if you do it two to three times a week, not every single day, that is okay, but try to make your dinners a little bit lighter, not as heavy and hard to digest at night. And also it may be a good idea if it works with your schedule to keep eating within a 12 hour window. So if you started breakfast at 8.30, try to be done with eating around 8 p.m. That's gonna allow your body enough time to rest and digest and make sure that the amount of food and calories and nutrition that you ate throughout the day can be processed properly and used efficiently in your body. 
Okay, so let's recap. Let's start the day with a high protein breakfast within 90 minutes of waking up. Space your meals evenly after that, three to four hours apart. Make sure that you're eating within about a 12 hour window and try to avoid having large meals at night. Spread your food across all meals throughout the day fairly evenly. That's going to help you not only feel more satiated and have better control of your appetite and cravings, but also to lose weight more easily and reduce impulse eating. I hope everything we talked about today makes sense. I want to recap the three mistakes and what to do instead. Let's do a little do's and don'ts. Number one is don't count calories, macros, or grams. Instead, focus on the quality of food on your plate and build balanced meals. Number two is don't cut out carbs or gluten. You can eat them at every single meal. The key is to identify your unique carb tolerance and then put meals together accordingly. And number three is don't ignore meal timing. Make sure that you're making an effort to sync your body clock with your eating schedule using the three tips that I shared with you today. If what we talked about today resonates with you and you want help in implementing and practice all of this, I teach you exactly how to do that inside Reset Your PCOS. We're gonna work on rejecting diets, unlearning all of these mistakes, and find a plan that's gonna be sustainable and doable for you, but also effective in not only managing your weight, but reversing insulin resistance and inflammation so you can find relief from most PCOS symptoms. So I'm going to put the link to the program description and details in the caption below. What you're going to do is go there, watch a video about what's inside the program, what you can expect, and you'll also have the opportunity to apply if you feel like it's a good fit. I'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic and episode, so feel free to leave a comment below. And of course, be sure to subscribe if you want to get notified when new episodes are up. I'll see you here again soon. Bye.